Welcome to Barah Ministries, an intimate local Christian church with a worldwide impact. My name is Pastor Rory Clark. Thanks for listening to this Bible lesson. At Barah Ministries, we worship a triune Godhead. There is one God who reveals himself to mankind as three separate, distinct, co-equal, co-infinite, and co-eternal persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. God the Father is the author of the Triune Godhead's plan for all creatures. I was asked what God the Father is doing right now, and I remember thinking that that was a pretty stupid question. But after a little research, I realized that it was pretty, I was the one who was pretty stupid for thinking it was a stupid question. One of the many things that God the Father is doing right now is listening to and answering the prayers of over 7 billion people worldwide. John chapter 16, verse 23, says this, Truly, truly, I, the Lord Jesus Christ, say to you, believers in Christ, if you ask God the Father anything in my name, he will give it to you. Every prayer is directed to God the Father. God the Son, the Lord, volunteered to execute God the Father's plan by taking on the form of man as true humanity, as Jesus, the Christ, the Jewish Messiah, In John chapter 4, verses 25 and 26, Jesus affirms his deity. He says to a Samaritan woman at the well, uh, he, he was talking to a Samaritan woman at a well, and the Samaritan woman at the well said to Jesus, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called the Christ. And when that one comes, he will declare all things to us. John 4, 26. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. I am the Christ. Jesus Christ is God, and he is the central figure in divine history. God the Holy Spirit is our mentor and teacher, and he is the rudder of the Christian life. He played a central role in the birth of Jesus Christ's humanity, according to Matthew chapter 1, Verse 18, which says this, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been engaged to marry Joseph, before they had sex, she was found to be with child by the agency of God the Holy Spirit. God the Holy Spirit is every bit as much deity as God the Father and God the Son. He is not an apparition, even though many call him the Holy Ghost. He is a person, and he is most definitely the unsung hero of the Trinity. As Christians, we develop a deep, intimate, and personal relationship with the entire Godhead through the study of the Word, the Bible. In Matthew chapter 7, 
verses 24 to 27, the Lord says this, Everyone who hears these words of mine in the Bible, which are my exact thoughts, and acts on them, may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. Matthew 4.25, And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against that house, yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. And the rock, of course, is Jesus Christ. Matthew 4.26, Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Matthew 4.27, The rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against the house, and it fell and great was its fall. God has an enemy, Satan, whom God made the ruler of this world for a finite period of time. Here's how the Lord describes his former bodyguard in Ezekiel, chapter 28, verses 12 to 16. Thus says the Lord God, You, Satan, had the seal of perfection. You were full of wisdom and perfect in beauty, a gorgeous genius. Ezekiel 28, 13. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. The ruby, the topaz, and the diamond. The beryl, the onyx, and the jasper. The lapis lazuli, the turquoise, and the emerald. And the gold. The workmanship of your settings and sockets was in you. On the day that you were created by me, they were prepared. You were the anointed cherub who covered. This is Ezekiel 28:14. Satan was the bodyguard of the throne room of heaven. And I, the Lord, placed you there in that position. You were on the holy mountain of God in the first heaven. You walked amid the stones of fire in the throne room of heaven. Ezekiel 28:15. You were blameless, which means righteous, in your ways from the day you were created until unrighteousness was found in you. Ezekiel 20. Say again. <laughs> no, there could be no pictures there. <laughs> Ezekiel twenty-eight sixteen. By the abundance of your trade, which was the trafficking of slander against the Lord, you were internally filled with violence and you sinned. Therefore, I, the Lord, have cast you as profane from the mountain of God, and I have destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Satan, the great deceiver, who convinced all the angels to turn against the Lord, was removed from his position of authority in the kingdom of God. The Lord gave him rulership of planet Earth so he'd have a chance to prove his accusation that the Lord is unfair and unloving. Of course, Satan will not succeed. As believers in Christ, we don't worry about Satan because the Lord has given us the victory over him through our union with Jesus Christ. Welcome to the Lord's Supper celebration. At the cross, the Lord provided us with fruit from God the Holy Spirit. At the cross, the Lord provided us with fruit from the Holy Spirit. Well, in our last lesson, we learned we have rotten fruit inside of us, the sins produced by the flesh. Today, we'll see the fruit produced in believers in Christ by God the Holy Spirit, And as commanded by the Lord, we'll celebrate the Lord's Supper. What a perfect time to celebrate someone who inspires our military heroes. John chapter 15 verse 13 says this, Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends.
We celebrate the men and women who put their lives on the line to imitate the faithfulness of the Lord. So let's hear some music. Veterans Day is November 11th every year. It's an American holiday when people in the military who are serving or who have served in the past, especially during wartime, are remembered and thanked. It's always a pleasure for us at Barah Ministries to honor the men and women who stand on a wall to protect our freedoms, who say nothing's going to hurt you tonight, not on my watch. We pray for our friends in Israel who are defending their right to freedom right now. We pray that the Lord and Savior, the Jewish Messiah, Jesus, the Christ, will protect them and will orchestrate their total and overwhelming victory. In honor of veterans in the United States and worldwide, we listen to two songs, A Few Good Men by the Gaither Vocal Band and the Armed Forces Medley. What this dying world could use is a willing man of God dares to go against the grain and work without applause. The man who raised the shield of faith, protecting what is pure, whose love is tough and gentle, a man whose word is sure. God doesn't need an orator. Who knows just what to say He doesn't need authority To reason him away He doesn't need an army To guarantee a win He just needs a few good
to the men and women of the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, the Marines, and the Coast Guard, thank you for your outstanding service and thank you for your sacrifice, for caring about people that you don't even know, to give us the protections of freedom that are guaranteed by our God. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, we keep on standing fast in that freedom and we never again allow ourselves to be entangled in the yoke of slavery. Let us pray. We're grateful, Heavenly Father, for the privilege of studying your absolute truth, the Word of God. Father, thank you for your every provision, especially for the courageous men and women you gave to protect us so we can worship you in peace. Many of our Christian brothers and sisters around the world don't enjoy the same peacefulness. We pray for them today because we know you're looking out for them. Thank you for sending your Son, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to die on a cross to reconcile us to relationship with you. Thank you for God the Holy Spirit who guides us into all the truth. Through today's lesson, show us one more provision we get from the Godhead, the fruit of God the Holy Spirit, the fruit which we can reflect in this lost and dying world through your divine power in us. We ask this through the power of God the Holy Spirit. In Christ's name, say it with me. Amen. The Lord's Supper celebration at the cross. The Lord provided us with fruit from God the Holy Spirit. At the cross, the Lord provided us with fruit from God the Holy Spirit. Well, welcome to the Lord's Supper celebration. As we remember the Lord, let's relax and enjoy memories of the things the Lord has done for us, especially his work on the cross on our behalf. The Lord's Supper allows you to direct your singular focus to the Lord alone. Concerning the Lord's Supper, our God commands in Luke chapter 22, verse 19, keep on doing this Lord's Supper, continuous action, in remembrance of me. The Lord wants you to think about the source of everything special about you and everything special in your life, and he is the source. The Lord's Supper is a chance for you to experience the real meaning of your relationship with the sovereign God of the universe, the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the most important relationship in your life. That's true if you're a believer in Christ, and that's even more true if you're an unbeliever. The Lord's Supper illuminates the power of a believer's union with Christ, one of the most valuable gifts we will ever have. It is the Lord letting you know that he is on your side. The Lord's Supper is for those who, the, who are the born-again ones, those spiritually alive people who are placed into union with Christ by God the Holy Spirit at the moment of salvation through the baptism of the Spirit. God the Holy Spirit turned us into eternal companions of Christ. The good news about being a companion of Christ is that the Lord stands between his believer and the enemy, he is our provider, he is our protector, he is our partner, even when the enemy is ourselves. Well, the subject matter of today's Lord's Supper is God the Holy Spirit. Let's listen to the passage we've been studying, and then we'll get to the specific verses of focus today. Here's the passage at Galatians chapter 5, verses 12 to 16. I, Paul, say to you Galatian believers in Christ, and to all believers in Christ throughout the ages, walk by the Spirit, and you will not no way not know how to carry out the desires of the flesh. 
Galatians 5.17. For the flesh sets its desire against God the Holy Spirit, and God the Holy Spirit sets his desire against the flesh. For these two are in opposition to one another, so that you believers in Christ may not do whatever you please. Galatians 5.18. But if you're led by the Spirit, and of course all believers in Christ are, you are not under the Mosaic law. Galatians 5.19. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident. That's the rotten fruit of sin, which are sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I, Paul, have forewarned you in the past, that those who practice such things as a lifestyle, and that is not a reference to believers in Christ, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Galatians 5.22 But the fruit of God the Holy Spirit is unconditional love, joy, and peace in yourselves, patience, kindness, and goodness toward others, Galatians 5.23, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control in your relationship with God. Against such virtues there is no law. Galatians 5.24, now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Galatians 5.25, if we believers in Christ live by the power of God the Holy Spirit, and of course we do, let us all walk in our lifestyle by the power of God the Holy Spirit not counting on ourselves. Galatians 5.26, let us not become boastful, challenging one another, or envying one another. Well, the final passage of Galatians chapter 5 is divided neatly into four parts, verses 16 to 18, verses 19 to 21, verses 22 and 23, and verses 24 to 26. In our study of the first part of the passage, we learned that we are the caboose and God the Holy Spirit is the locomotive of our life's train. All our power is derived from the guidance of God the Holy Spirit. Our human power can never be effective as God the Holy Spirit's power. I've got a buddy who's going to be having back surgery pretty soon. He's going to have an ablation to knock out the nerves in his back because he's in constant back pain. And there's nothing that he can do in his human power to settle that. But the Lord can. And so I want you to keep him in our prayers and make sure that this procedure is successful so that he can enjoy the the calm and peace that comes without being in chronic pain all the time. Amen? Amen? (laughs) Amen, Kevin. (laughs) In the second part of the passage, we learned that the flesh that part of us that does the sinning never has our best interest in mind. Romans chapter 7, verses 18 and 19 say this, I, Paul, know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For the willingness to do good, the wish to do good is present in me. And and when he says in me, he means in his real person, not in his flesh. But the actual doing of good is not present in me. Romans 7, 19, for the good I want to do, I do not do, 
but I practice the very evil that I don't want to do. Christians should read this passage, Romans 7.15 to 7.25, every single day and get it that one of the greatest believers of all time is talking about his genuine desire to not sin again, ever, and that he absolutely can't do it. And in fact, he does exactly the opposite, which is he practices the very things that he doesn't want to do. So if we, if we get that, then we'll get off our own back because the flesh is a part of us that God chose not to remove at the moment of salvation that practices evil. Last week's lesson, I asked, why do Christians continue to sin after salvation? And John Miller asked me afterward, yeah, why do Christians keep sinning after salvation? Oh my God, I talked for 90 minutes and I didn't answer the question, John. Well, here's the answer. They don't. Christians don't continue to sin after salvation. But what does? The dead flesh in us is the one doing the sinning. And that's what Romans 7.15 to Romans 7.25 is talking about. Well, today we'll study the third part of the passage, Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. There is a part of us that God uses for divine production. Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of God the Holy Spirit is unconditional love, joy, and peace in yourselves, patience, kindness, and goodness toward others, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control in your relationship with God. Against such virtues, there is no law. Of all the blessings given to those in union with Christ, is there anything greater than the indwelling presence of God the Holy Spirit? God the Holy Spirit never indwells someone without also making him a garden of spiritual fruit. All right, so let's look at the first part of those uh, verses. Galatians 5.22a, the first part. But the fruit of God the Holy Spirit is unconditional love, joy, and peace in yourself. Well, what is unconditional love? The question is, do you labor for the good of your brothers and sisters, both believers and unbelievers? Do you require nothing of others? See, that's the whole thing. The Lord Jesus Christ is willing to save us, and he doesn't require one thing of us. And as human beings, we just can't accept that. We just can't accept that our salvation is a free gift that requires nothing of us. So we want to help, and we want to do rituals and follow rules and and create practices that make us appear so wonderful, and all it does is turn us into first-class phonies. When we love unconditionally, God the Holy Spirit matures us from inward self preoccupation, which is built into the human frame, to placing primary importance on the interests of others. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, exhort us to do this. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. When's the last time you did that? When's the last time that you regarded somebody else as more important than you. Philippians chapter 2, verse 4. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also look out for the interests of others. Now, one of the things we're really good at 
is pointing out all the times when other people aren't like that, but maybe what we're not so great at is looking at the mirror and seeing whether we're good at that or not, because we control ourselves, but we don't control others. Our love no longer depends on finding something lovely in others. Unconditional love does not depend on finding something lovely in others. Unconditional love patiently bears with people. Isn't it great? to have a God who loves us that way, unconditionally. Wouldn't it be great if every person on the earth realized that God loves us unconditionally, that he is never disappointed with us, that he doesn't require anything of us, that he came to earth to die on a cross to do something for us, not expecting us to do anything for him in return. Well, so... Uh, love, joy, peace in yourself. Joy is the next thing. Do you value those around you who are like-minded? Are you happy because of the people you surround yourself with that are like-minded? It's really easy to value those who are being matured by God the Holy Spirit within Varah Ministries. Each of you is a sanctuary of repose to relax in. It's so nice to be surrounded by people who love who we are and who we are not. Joy is a daily journey of choice. It is not a destination. When joy is put in song, Pharrell Williams' song, Happy, comes to mind. We'll be hearing that in just a few minutes uh, as our um, transition into the offering. And then there's peace. Love, joy, peace. Do you strive to maintain the unity God the Holy Spirit placed all believers in, even at significant personal cost. That's the one thing that believers tend to forget, that God the Holy Spirit placed all believers into unity, and it's a unity we can't get out of. But we'll break off relationships with people and think somehow that affects our unity, but it doesn't. If we're believers in Christ, we're all in unity. All believers in Christ share the same Lord, and will one day share the same heaven. The way to look at other believers in Christ, regardless of where they are in their maturity level, is with the eyes of peace. We are holding nothing against them. It's been said that kindness receives an offense, refashions it in the factory of the soul, and then sends it back as a blessing. When the majority of the fault in a situation lies with the other person. God the Holy Spirit encourages us to assume the best. Through this fruit of God the Holy Spirit, we learn to honor people behind their backs. And that's a lesson many Christians have yet to learn. When we return from the break, we'll take the offering, we'll enjoy the elements of the Lord's Supper, and we'll finish our look at the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23.
I love that song, Happy. The, the Lord's Supper celebration at the cross, the Lord provided us with fruit from God the Holy Spirit. At the cross, the Lord provided us with fruit from God the Holy Spirit. Well, one of the greatest pleasures of life is giving our time, talent, and treasure to those who want to learn about the Lord Jesus Christ free of charge. True ministry involves giving, not receiving, yet it is equally pleasurable to be given to in return. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 17, the Apostle Paul says, Not that I seek the gift for myself, even though I appreciate it, 
but I seek the profit that increases to your account from God when you give. You're invited to join in giving, to make giving to Barah Ministries part of your weekly routine. God blesses your giving and makes it have an impact in places all over the world with people you know nothing about. And simultaneously, God gives abundant credit back to your account. If you listen to Barah Ministries, we appreciate it when you contribute to Barah Ministries, and no amount is too small. Let's welcome up Deacon Denny Goodall with one of his always inspiring offering messages. Check, 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 check. Yeah, it sounds bad though. Check, 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 check. One, two, one, two. Sorry, now you hear me? Okay, cool. I get your attention. Good morning. Good morning. My name is Denny Goodall, and I'm blessed to be deacon for Barah Ministries. I'm blessed because through diligent study and dedicated study, we've learned that in any circumstance in life, we can be content. Because at the moment of salvation, you're complete. You're given everything. We see it in Colossians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. For in Jesus Christ, all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. And in union with him, you believers in Christ have been made complete. And he is the head, all, head over all rule and authority. So as a kid, you, you, grew, you want to grow up so fast, you feel incomplete. You want to get to the next step. We've all done it. Racing to get bigger and get taller and be like your older brother or your uncle or somebody or your aunt or something. And so you get older and then you're in college and you're still incomplete. You're racing to get a career. You're racing to get to the next step, and you, you don't feel complete because you're just, you got to get all the stuff done. And then you get in a career, and what do you have to do? Ah, oh, I got to get retired. I got to get retired. And you're just racing through life just to jump to, the next, jump to the next thing. And then you retire, and what do you do? I got to get to that casket. Nothing, yeah. <laughs> I got to race to the casket. But we're, we just have to stop and realize in every circumstance we're complete, no matter where you are, wherever you're sitting. And it's hard to do. And I think it you can do that you can be really patient with people and you can have those those things that we're supposed to do for other people that we see in um galatians 5 23 right or 20 yeah 20 so i think it's it's really easy to look at life and always want to race ahead you know it's really easy to want to look at the offering and think oh, i'll do it next time or think i'm incomplete right now but you're complete so even when you give to the ministry you're complete god will fill you back up and so we don't have to worry in any circumstance. Just give it to God. <laughs> and remember that we're anointed. So thank you, Pastor, for your diligent study. And thank you all for giving. And anoint the, the basket with your love. <laughs>
I missed it in the announcements, but I want to say happy birthday to Leah Shemp, who is one of the, Leah Shemp Hausen, I should say, who is one of the original members of Baran Ministries. Happy birthday, Leah. Well, the Lord's Supper celebration, let's enjoy the elements, bread and wine. The Lord gave us these things to remember him. We'll enjoy the elements together in a few moments as we listen to the Lord's Supper song. Matthew chapter 26, verses 26 and 28, tells us the reason the Lord wants to celebrate this meal together. Matthew 26, 26, while the apostles were eating, Jesus took some bread, and after a blessing, he broke the bread and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat. This is my body, which is being broken for you. And when Jesus had taken the cup and given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood, the blood of a new covenant. My blood poured out for whosoever for the forgiveness of sins. We celebrate to remember Jesus Christ died as our sin substitute. Jesus is risen from the dead to prove his deity. Jesus Christ will come again to gather us unto himself. Jesus forgives us for once and for all time through his work on the cross. We celebrate and we're grateful. Enjoy the elements as we listen to Telly Leon remind us that we have a God who loves giving in the song, All Good Gifts. seed on the land but it is fed and watered by God's almighty hand he sends the snow in winter the warmth to swell the grain the breezes and the sunshine the soft refreshing
that's one of the things that we'll have to look forward to in heaven, just miles and miles and miles of gratitude when we start to realize all the things that God has done for us. Well, we continue the Lord's Supper celebration. At the cross, the Lord provided us with fruit from God the Holy Spirit. At the cross, the Lord provided us with fruit from God the Holy Spirit. Well, welcome back. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 says this, The fruit of God the Holy Spirit is patience, kindness, goodness toward others. That's the second part of the verse. What is patience? Are you growing in your ability to overlook offenses? Other people offend us quite often. Can you receive an offense in the full face and then look right over it? Are you slow to anger even when confronted with severe and repeated provocation and injury? Believe me, without the power of God the Holy Spirit, none of us are good at this. Ministry in the church, no matter our role, places us around people whose progress is much slower than we would like in the spiritual realm. And we find ourselves around the idle, the faint-hearted, the weak. Instead of throwing up our hands and bagging on them in the gossip of our vile tongues, we must be patient with them all. In his book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, Dale Carnegie, a Christian, says that God did not see fit to distribute the gift of intelligence equally. Indeed, we must learn through the power of God the Holy Spirit to value and to enjoy the differences between people. Patience, then kindness. Do you not only overlook offenses, but also repay offenses with unconditional love? This is kindness. Spirit-given kindness creates parents who discipline their children with a steady, tender voice. God the Holy Spirit creates sufferers who respond to ignorant and sensitive treatment with grace. God the Holy Spirit creates wives and husbands who repay their spouses' sharp words with a kiss, showing kindness not only to those who will one day thank us for it, but also to the ungrateful and the evil is a fruit of the Spirit. Those who are kind can give a blessing, receive a curse in return, and then go on giving blessing. Amen? And then there's goodness. Do you dream up opportunities to be helpful? We have a ton of people in Barah Ministries who are like this. Thank the Lord for people who dispense goodness because they have a disposition to be useful, generous, and helpful because they're good at discerning what is pleasing to the Lord. Charles Spurgeon, a 19th century Baptist preacher, said, Let us be on the watch for opportunities of usefulness. Let us go about the world with our ears and eyes open, ready to avail ourselves of every occasion for doing good. And let us not be content until we are useful. Let's make this the main ambition of our lives. Galatians chapter 5, verse 23, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control in your relationship with God. Against such virtues there is no law. What is faithfulness? Do you do what you say you'll do, even in the smallest matters? Faithful people have a trustworthy reputation. They say they're going to be on time, they're on time. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 24 says this, Faithful is God the Father, who calls you to salvation 
and he will also bring it to pass. That's one of the great things about having a relationship with God. You know that everything he says is everything he does without fail ever, and we would do really well to reflect that fruit of the Spirit constantly in everything we do. God wants us to be like himself, to be faithful in the small things. He who can be trusted in the small things can definitely be trusted in the larger things. And then there's gentleness. Do you use your strength to serve the weak? The godly ones use the power of protectiveness. They correct others with unconditional love and the spirit of gentleness. They are not overly impressed by a sense of self-importance. They are there when people need them. Being there for people who need it when they need it is a hallmark of our omnipresent God. Self-control. Do you refuse the flesh's cravings? It's easy to answer that one, no, because we all know that in the power of God, the Holy Spirit, all things are possible. We turn our flesh over to him. In one of the pastoral epistles, Titus says in chapter 2, verses 11 to 14, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. Titus 2.12, instructing us believers in Christ to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age. What we're to do as believers in Christ is to turn away from that old lifestyle that we ran as unbelievers, that ungodly, lustful, worldly desires lifestyle, and to live in the righteousness that was imputed to us at the moment of salvation. What does that mean? That at the moment of salvation, through the baptism of God, the Holy Spirit, we're, being, we're placed into union with Christ, and we are perfect in God's eyes. That is so hard for believers in Christ to recognize, that when God looks at us, he sees us as perfect because of what he did for us, not because of anything that we're doing. And that he wants us to live in that righteousness, and to reject all attempts by the flesh to lure us out of our righteousness into ungodliness and worldly desires and things like that, so that we're living godly in this present age. Godly meaning like Christians live. Titus chapter 2, verse 13. Looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Christ Jesus, Titus 2.14, who gave himself as a substitute for us to redeem us, that is, to purchase us from slavery to sin, to redeem us from every lawless deed, and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. It's so hard for us to accept as Christians that every sin we've ever committed, past, present, and future, was credited to Jesus' account and judged so that it would not be credited to our account. And so we have a tremendous dependence on the sovereign God of the universe, and we need to express that dependence and gratitude for all he did for us. And we need not try to then say, okay, I know you did that for us, but now I need to intervene and help you even more (laughs) in what you did, because what he did, as Deacon Denny so rightly said during the offering message, is what he did is complete. It's perfect. It needs no help. And when when we became believers in Christ, he made us complete and perfect, and we need no help because he's done everything for us. So the godly ones use the power of protectiveness. 
and they are there for people when they need it as a hallmark of God. Then there's self-control. Do you refuse the flesh's cravings? What we do is we turn our flesh over to him because we can't control the flesh. The flesh is more powerful than us. It's more persuasive than us. And even though it's dead, we still listen to it. Uh, you know, if, if you were my buddy and you were telling me some things about the sinful things you had done, I would just ask you a simple question. Why do you listen to a dead person? Why do you listen to the flesh? Why are you letting the flesh lure you into that? Why are you listening to a dead person? Now I would take you to a funeral home, and I would walk you into a room with a dead person, and I would say, shh, shh, Leslie, do you hear anything? No? Good. Do the same thing with the flesh. Don't listen. Titus 2.14, Jesus gave himself as a substitute for us to redeem us from every lawless deed, and what he wanted to do is purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. So what does he want us to do? He wants us to present ourselves as a holy sacrifice, ready to do his bidding. The need for self-control applies to every bodily appetite, in particular our sexual appetites. God the Holy Spirit helps us to hear God's promises louder than the flesh's lust demands and to refuse to give sexual immorality a seat among the saints. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 3 and 4 say this, But sexual immorality or any impurity or greed must not even be named among you, as is proper among saints, and saints are believers in Christ. Ephesians 5, 4, And there must be no filthiness or silly talk, or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. Oh, well, I flunked that one. <laughs> How then should believers in Christ respond when we find that the works of the flesh have overrun the garden, like weeds choking out the plants or cockroaches infesting the house? That's easy. We fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. God the Holy Spirit produces his fruit in us, that lets us reflect our Savior's goodness as well. When we walk by God, the Holy Spirit of Christ's power, and when we make our home with him, he makes our hearts a heaven, which is clearly visible for all around us to see. Praise be to God. Let us reflect him in everything we do. Well, the closing moments of our lesson today could be the 10 most important minutes of your life. We want you to know that God wants you. And what God wants is for you to make the most important decision of your life. How would it be to know that there is someone who loves you so much that their love for you is almost unspeakable, yet you don't know who they are and you aren't interested in meeting them? That may be your situation because the creator of the universe created you and he loves you unconditionally, and you may not have a relationship with him. John chapter 1, verse 3 says this, All things came into being through the Lord, God the Son. And apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being, including you. Well, you can have a relationship with your creator, and he's looking for you. Luke chapter 15, verses 4 to 7 say this, What man among you, 
If he has a hundred sheep and has lost one of them, doesn't leave the ninety-nine sheep in the open pasture and go after the one which is lost. And that's a reference to unbelievers. Until he finds it. Now I will tell you the shepherds don't leave their sheep in the open pasture. So if a shepherd leaves his sheep in the open pasture to go after one from, that is lost, he is really doing something that is not in the nature of a shepherd. Luke 15, 5. And when the man has found the lost sheep, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. Luke 15, 6. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep, which was lost. Luke 15, 7. I, the Lord Jesus Christ, tell you that in the same way there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents, and a sinner is an unbeliever. There will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents, who changes his mind about having a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, than over the 99 righteous persons, saints, believers in Christ, who need no repentance. The bad news is that God is looking for you. And you definitely are not looking for him. Romans chapter 3, verses 11 and 12 say this. No creature understands God or any divine thing. No creature seeks a relationship with God. Romans three twelve. All creatures have turned aside from God. Together, they have become useless. No creature does good. There is not even one. So there it is. God is looking for us, but we aren't looking for him. All of us. We're born in a state of unrighteousness, physically alive and spiritually dead as ungodly, unrighteous unbelievers on the wrong side of a barrier, separated from God and helpless and hopeless to do anything about it. It's not your fault that you were born this way, but it is your circumstance. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 22, the Bible says this, all in union with Adam at physical birth, and that's every human being, are set to die the second death in the lake of fire. But in the face of this bad news is good news. The sovereign God of the universe, the Lord Jesus Christ, provides a way for you to be saved. The good news is preached in what God calls the gospel message. This is the gospel message. God has a personal salvation plan for every unbeliever. Let's see what happened when the gospel message was preached in a prison in first century Rome. Acts chapter 16, verses 24, 25 to 34. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God from their jail cells, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Acts 16, 26. And suddenly there came a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison house were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were unfastened. Acts 16, 27. When the jailer, a prison guard, awoke and saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. Allowing prisoners to escape carried a penalty of instant execution for prison guards. Well, he had decided he was going to do it himself. Acts 16, 28. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, saying to the guard, Do not harm yourself, we are all here. Acts 16, 29. And the jailer called for the lights to be turned on, and he rushed in. And trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Acts 16, 30. 
And after the prison guard brought Paul and Silas out, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Obviously, the guard had been listening to the spiritual song Paul and Silas were singing. Acts 16.31, Paul and Silas said, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved by God, you and everyone in your household who also believes. Believe. Simply take God's word for it as it relates to what it takes to be saved. There are no works of any kind necessary to be saved. It is simply you using the gift of faith given to you by God, placing your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ alone for salvation, and that's the ticket to eternal life. So how did the jailer friend get saved? In a crisis, he recognized his need for a Savior. He asked someone who knew what it took to be saved, Believers in Christ presented the accurate gospel message. The jailer did what was suggested, and he was saved. Who is this God that saves you? The Apostle Paul describes the Lord Jesus Christ in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4. He says, I, Paul, deliver to you as of primary importance the gospel message I also received from God, that it was Jesus Christ who died for our sins according to the Old Testament scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised from the dead on the third day, according to the Old Testament scriptures. Don't wait for a crisis to be saved. Do it now. The news goes from bad to worse if you choose not to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ for your salvation. Romans chapter 1, verses 18 to 20 say this, For the wrath of God the Father is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and against the unrighteousness of unbelievers, who suppress the truth by their unrighteousness. The wrath of God is the lake of fire. Romans 1.19, Because that which is known about God the Father is evident inside of unbelievers. For God the Father made it evidence to, evident to them from inside of them. Romans 1.20, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible attributes, God's eternal power, and God's divine nature, His deity, have been clearly seen by all mankind, being understood even through what had been made in nature, God's creative work, so that all mankind is without excuse before God. But wait, what if they didn't know? What about the little children in the middle of Africa? What if they didn't know? They knew. Romans 1, 18 to 20. God makes himself clearly visible in ways that make sense to human beings, both from the inside of them and from the outside of them. So accept the invitation and heed the warning of John chapter 3, verse 36. He who believes in the Son has the resurrection life, eternal life, right at that moment. It's an instant salvation. But he who does not obey the command to believe in the Son will not see the resurrection life. Instead, the wrath of God, the lake of fire, abides on him. Remember what Paul and Silas said to the jail guard in Acts chapter 16, verse 31? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved by God, you and everyone in your household who also believes. Acts 16, 32. And Paul and Silas spoke the word of God, the gospel message, the good news of Jesus Christ's salvation offered to the jailer together with all the people who were in his house. Acts 16, 33. And the jailer took Paul and Silas that very hour of the night and washed their wounds. And immediately the jailer was baptized by God the Holy Spirit. 
he and all his household who also believed, and all of them did. Acts 16.34 And the jailer brought Paul and Silas into his house and set food before them and rejoiced greatly, having believed in the Lord Jesus Christ with his whole household. Wouldn't you like to spend all eternity in heaven? Well, don't miss your opportunity. Take advantage of the good news of the gospel message right this moment. Well, let's close with music. Galatians chapter 5 verse 16 says this, Walk in the power of God the Holy Spirit and you believers in Christ will not, no way, not know how, carry out the desires of the flesh. Having fellowship with the indwelling God the Holy Spirit is a a signature guarantee of our admission to heaven when we close our eyes in this life. Here's June Murphy to encourage us to walk in the light of fellowship. I'll be obedient and I will humble myself before you. The spirit I'll not quench, the spirit I'll not grieve, and I will not depend on me. I will walk worthy of the calling given me, influenced fully by the Holy Spirit. With him I'm always filled, he does enable me, and he leads me to be free. I know your power and thoughts divine, and I will learn what it is to love you. I know that I am yours, and you are mine. I am loved by God, His mandates I do keep, and His mandates aren't a burden. And I love others too, without hypocrisy, so others see your light in me. of you, Lord, and I abide in you going forward, so I might hear the words, well done, my faithful one, in the presence of you and the Son, and now I walk in the light of fellowship, I know your power and thoughts divine, and I will learn what it is to love you, I know that I am yours, and you are mine.
Sophie. I wish I could just listen to one of her songs and say, you know, that was a great song, and then forget about it. That song was playing in my head all day yesterday. <laughs> Drove me absolutely crazy. Let us pray. Almighty God and Father, thank you for letting us know that God the Holy Spirit is producing his fruit in every believer in Christ. It's not something believers have to work at. We simply let God the Holy Spirit do his work through us. And as he matures us, we see ourselves handling every situation of life differently. Handling things just the way the Lord would want us to, so we know that this handling is not from the source of ourselves, it's from the power of God. As we go forth into the week, help us to see God, the Holy Spirit's work in us. We ask this through the power of God, the Holy Spirit. In Christ's name, say it with me. Amen. Uh, no discussion after church today. If you've got bi- biblical questions, ask the pastor, pastor at baraministries.com. Keep on studying the word. Thanks for coming. Thanks for watching. And thanks for listening.